From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you are going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. I've got Kyle Winslow here in the Thinking Out Loud studios. We are excited that you guys are back with us um, this week. And last time we had on the show a special guest. We have him back this week. Uh, it's Cody Winslow. He is the youth and associate pastor at Life Church in Leesburg, Georgia. Welcome back, Cody. Glad to be back. Thank you awesome. guys for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, last time we were head deep into a discussion on all things youth ministry. And that's where we want to pick up today uh, because uh, we kind of left you hanging last time. And uh, we want to make sure that we close this out today and just flush this out some more. And so I'm just going to jump right in. As we were talking, uh, last time we talked, we just kind of left off on talking about social media and the impacts that social media has had on this generation um, and different models of youth, youth ministry. And so some of the successful models, some models that maybe aren't successful um, and what success looks like um, as a youth pastor. And so I, I have a question for you guys. Um, what would you say um, if I'm a parent? So we want to hit this from all sides. If I'm a parent and I am struggling with my kid through social media, right? They, you know, I don't really know everything that's going on. Um, I don't understand TikTok. I, don't, I hear some bad stuff about it, but I'm not sure. Like, you know, is that something my kid should have, shouldn't have? Um, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. What? If I'm a if I'm a parent trying to navigate through that stuff, how do I where do I start? What do I do? What are some pointers that you could give me as a parent um regarding um those things? Passwords. Right. Yeah, password. I'd say I'd say have the passwords, know the login count, like know the email that's associated with each one, know the passwords, and have the ability to check in at any time, all times. Um another thing I tell my parents is if you're not comfortable with them having it. That's the answer. Like, as much as your kid wants to have it, <laughs> why, why do parents give in to their, their kids so much? Because we want to be their friends. But, um, dude, social media is scary nowadays. Um, mm. You got fake accounts. You got people on there being who they're not. Um, it's toughy, tough, toughy. It's tough to navigate, especially Snapchat. Um, that, that one's hard for, for parents to navigate. But uh, know the passwords, know the account, um, and know who your kids are friends with. I, I, I may be a little rude saying this, but I've got two daughters of my own. I'm not going to – I guess I won't let the excuse of, well, I just don't know anything about it be an excuse. 
So mm-hmm. if if my daughter's got Snapchat, even if I don't use Snapchat, guess who's got a Snapchat now? I do. Yeah. If my right. daughter's got a Facebook, even if I don't use it, guess who's got one? Because we have to educate ourselves for what our if your daughter's playing soccer and you're a soccer fanatic, you're gonna educate yourself on the best possible place for her to play soccer. So if she's a social media fanatic or he is loves social media, okay. But now you have to be that fanatic too, in a way that you understand the ins and outs of that platform to where you know you can protect your child, but you can also guide your child and give them some guidelines there too. So I guess my advice would be don't don't allow your kid on anything you don't even know anything about. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm, I'm out of touch with saying that because it's so accessible nowadays. So I just think that we just, it goes right down to we as parents need to educate ourselves on all platforms that are accessible for our kids. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, and I think as as parents, um, and we all are, uh, all three of us are, are parents, and I'm I've kind of kind of unique situation because I have a 12 year old daughter, and I also have an adult daughter. So you know, one of my daughters I've already been through this whole thing with, right? And then I have one coming, so I, I look at. Um, the, you know, I try to learn from the mistakes that I made maybe with my oldest daughter. And I would say I probably was too, uh, conservative on, on this, on that side, you know, of saying you can't have anything, you know, because, you know, I was just afraid because I knew a lot of the things that were out there, but you know, as well as I do, you know, if you, if you don't allow a kid to do anything, once they do get it, they have zero idea how to handle it. And it's it's important for us, I think, to teach our kids to, yes, be in the culture and you can participate in some of these things, but you have to teach them how to participate. Yeah. Educate them and yourself. Um, yeah. You know, hey, this this is something I'm trusting you with in, in a sense, because I'm going to yeah. check it when I want to check it. Yeah. And but I'm trusting you. But here's things you got to look out for. Um, you know, I, I tell my students, my te- my students tell me that Pastor Cody back in your day, bullying stopped when you got home. And I'm like, yeah, they're like what bullying's on all social media now. And I'm like, it is. And that's, that's hard to navigate as a parent. Like, Hey, how do you handle seeing something about your, your, your kid or, or them being tagged in something and someone making fun of them? Um, social media is great, but we as a society have twisted it have made it into something that we can abuse and it, it's kind of been a, it's a great platform for kids to to communicate and and to be funny but then there's also that side like what in the world like my kids on youtube i gotta be careful with youtube now five minutes into a video it switches into some horrific cartoon that my kids are watching yeah and it's the, the thing that people have those minds of doing that like why what is that for why do we do that and uh you know my my kids right now they get frustrated because i'm like well before we watch this movie we're gonna i'm gonna sit down and watch it myself first oh dad and there's reasons why because they put so many things in there and they try to i I don't know i want to say this but they try to change your your mind they try to um kind of correct and adapt you to what they want um manipulation manipulation and it's it happens. They did studies on it. They know mm-hmm. what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that I can think about right now that I'm hungry, I put my phone in five seconds and there's me restaurant deals, coupons. Mm-hmm. That's scary. That yeah. big brother, it, it, it is scary. Mm-hmm. And I think that our students, our, our, our kids need to know that. 
Like, here's why I'm worried. Yeah. Be honest yeah. with your, with your student, with your, yeah. with your kid. Sorry, not your student, <laughs> with your kid. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And I think is, you know, it's so hard because, you know, little Johnny comes home, little Sarah comes home and it's like, Hey mommy, you know, they, you know, all the other kids have it, you know? Um, and I get this now with my 12 year old. She's like, Hey dad, can I put this on my phone? You know, can I put this? And it's like, you know, it, it's, it, it's tough because you feel like you are the president of no, right? Like you feel like you're just the nose are right. And that's not who you want to be. But I think it's just educating your kids. And, and, you know, there are sometimes you probably don't have to say no, but you just have to say, okay, you know, here's how far you can go. Right. You know, here's, you know, and I mean, there's plenty of things out there. There's covenant eyes, there's be safe online, there's uh, net nanny. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are out there to monitor and help you, you know, your kids not to get into, you know, the dark web, right. Or the, the crazy things, um, you know, as a parent. So, and I think even Apple has something with the family share on there that mm. you can, w- w- your kid would never know, but that you can kind of have a background of what's going on too. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's a lot of people. Are like, that's crazy. No, no. I'm trying to protect my kid. I'm yeah. trying to make sure that, you know, as much as I trust them, they're, they're still, learning they're they're not an adult yet you know i let's be honest we make mistakes yes um and i want to be there and let them know that hey i'm here for you but we're gonna we're gonna monitor this yeah the bible says and i love this scripture the bible says train up a child in the way he should go right and and you know it's not the way they want to go it's not the way the world wants them to go we are commanded to when our kids get up, we are supposed to be teaching them the word. When they lie down, teach them the word. When they go about the way, the Bible says, teach them the word. So, you know, and I've heard from both of you guys um, and some of your mentors that have said, everything you watch, everything you're listening to is preaching a message to you, like every everything. And so you have to be careful and know what message is being preached to your child. And, and like you said, Cody, it's so true. Like, there you've been manipulated right as you're watching stuff you're being manipulated and sometimes you don't even know and you have certain thought patterns and beliefs and you're like why does my kid have these thought patterns or beliefs well it's because they've been sitting in front of netflix or in front of whatever for hours and they are being taught a message so unless they have the counter message and i would i would encourage any parent out there do not say things like well i'm not a pastor so I can't teach my kids. Don't say things like, well, I don't know the Bible myself enough. Take some time out and study the word of God for yourself. And even before you study, it's not that you have to have some theological deep conversation with your child about the Bible. Read the word of God. The word of God is alive and active. It will do what it needs to do in your child's life. Don't neglect it just because you're just like, well, well, I'm, but I'm not a pastor. I'm just going to let my youth pastor do that. Listen, youth pastors do a lot. And if you are waiting, if your child, the first time they hear the word of God is when your youth pastor preaches on a Wednesday night or whatever night you have youth group, uh, you're doing your child a grave disservice. Um, it Mm -hmm. is our responsibility first before they even leave our house to go to uh, a building that we call church, uh, 
It is our responsibility to make sure that our children are raised up knowing Christ and knowing the principles of the word of God. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's something that I think is is uh, is super important. But um, so in in talking about all of this, as, as far as from a parent perspective, what do you feel like some of the common mistakes are that parents make with their children as youth pastors? So as far as like parenting or like, is that like, as a, what are some of the struggles youth pastors have with students when it comes to the parents? Yeah. So what, what mistakes do you guys feel that you're seeing as uh, mistakes that parents are making with their, their teens or, you know, their. For me, I'm going to jump in real quick. For me, I see sometimes where parents aren't as involved as I would say they need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, like me and Kyle growing up, my mom was always around my back. Um, but she wanted to know who I was around, what, what, what they were doing, who they were with. Um, you know, if I, if I was going somewhere, they want, she wanted to talk to the parents. She wanted to know what we were doing. Um, I, I do believe that sometimes parents give a, a, a lot of space to their kids. And in this, this time, in this age, I believe we need to be more, more hands-on. We need mm. to be more involved. Mm. Uh, we need to make them know that uh, we, we love them, we care for them. And I want to be a part of your life, not as your friend, but as your parent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I believe that parents, family time is something that is missing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's awkward for kids to be alone with their parents nowadays. Mm. Um, not all parents. Um, I'm not even saying in my youth group, but I'm just saying uh, there are parents that, who technology is, is who's watching their kids and you, you know that um, yeah. there's a lot of things on certain platforms that um, they're pushing an agenda and your kids seeing it. You know, you mm-hmm. think Nick Lodi and you think all these things are good for your kid because you watch them growing up. It's different. A lot different. I watch certain cartoons that I grew up with and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh, sweet mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> and so I believe that um, parents just need to get back to that. I'm not your friend, but I am your parent, and I want a relationship with you that's not vague, that's not just on the surface, but it's deeper than that. Yeah. S- something that stuck with me that I heard years ago that focused on the family uh, did. So they, they, had a, they had a talk with uh, a group of parents and their children. And I remember they, they had some teenagers in a room, and they asked them, they said, what is one thing? that your parent does currently that you think that they should stop doing as parents. And one of the girls spoke up and she said, they need to stop trusting us so much. That was powerful. Like I never forgot that. And you know, I I just, I know that to be true, just watching parents like friends, right. Uh, Of parents, because um, we all know some of the things that we got away with when we were kids, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, so, um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's one of those things where we know that, you know, our kids, you know, they say they're going to the movies, they say they're going, you know, to their friend's house or whatever the case may be. But this team just spoke up and said, Hey, they trust us too much. And, 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 and parents, I think you have to realize that's important. Like, yes, trust your kid, 
But remember, you are responsible for your child. And I agree with you on that. We have a student in our youth room. Like uh, we went on a trip, uh, a Church of God trip, you know, to Winterfest. And um, she got a text from her mom. Hey, charge your Apple Watch. It's low. How'd she know? The location. Mm. Even, even with the church, she's like, hey, I'm making sure that my kid's where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know what? People don't like that. But do check your location every now and then. Check on them. Um, you, you definitely have to be there for them. Um, but I agree with you on that. I do. I, I agree. The trust, we, we trust them way too much. We're like, yeah, I trust you. They're, they're, they're teenagers. They, we know what to say and, and how to manipulate certain things. And like, yeah, I'm at my friend's house. Right. They're going to be there later tonight. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If they're at their friend's house, know who's going to be there. Know what adults are going to be there. If they say they're going to the movies, you know what? It is not beyond your parenting uh, you know, to say, Hey, you know, I want to see your tickets when you come back, you know, to make sure they're going to the right movie, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I think it's important and it's not intrusive. They're your children. You, it, you are supposed to be good stewards of what God's given you. Yeah. And I, I do think another thing is, is, um, our time, like I, I mentioned it before our time, we get co- so caught up with, you know, work, getting home, cleaning the house, making sure the dishes are done, schoolwork, but that quality time, yeah. It, I'll be honest myself. There's times where I'm like, I'm so caught up with what I got to do at the church, technology wise or, or platform wise, and and I get home and then I'm like, well, I got to clean. I got to do the dishes. I got, and my kids are just sitting there like, hey, come play dolls with me. Hey, come play Transformers with me. I'm like, I can't. I'm really busy. And I, I my own self, uh, my kids want that quality time. They they want to feel like I enjoy their creative mind. I am proud of them for them, you know, just trying to have fun. Like you get what I'm saying? Like as a parent, my kid wants to see me watching them do something. Right. They want that proud moment. My son got his, his white belt in jujitsu and he's like, Zed, are you proud of me? And mm. I'm like, Matthews, I'm always proud of you. Yeah. Lillian, dad, are you proud of me? Lillian, I'm always proud of you. Yeah. And they're looking for that. Even in teenagers, they're looking for, are you proud of me? Yeah. 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 That's powerful. Yeah. And that that excitement doesn't go away. So as a, I got a four-year-old girl, like she loves it when I love what she does. She, she cannot do a cartwheel to save her life, but I act like she did a perfect cartwheel. You know what I'm saying? And she's all excited, happy. As a teenager, we may not see the expression on the outside, but they need to see that the parents are interested. I think the disconnect between, and this isn't the only disconnect, but I think maybe one of the biggest disconnects between a parent and a teenager is there is a certain level of expectation and there's a certain amount of pressure that's put on by the parent, but there's not a whole lot of understanding from parent to teenager. So, as a dad, I could be putting, telling my daughter, McKenna, I want to see you achieve these things and I need to see in a daily basis you do these things and act this way. But there's also that disconnect because as a dad, I'm also not putting in the time that Cody was just saying to get to know my daughter on a deeper level to see why she may not be performing, quote unquote, to the level I need her to perform to. And I think that if parents... And this is something I'm going to have to learn. And if I'm going to be honest with you, on a smaller scale, I've had to learn 
um, time with your kids, it's not conditional on what you want to do. Time with your kids is conditional on what they're interested in. And so, listen, if my daughter doesn't like football, and I pray to God she does, but if she doesn't, I may not be watching Monday night football. If she doesn't, we may not be coming home from church and watching the Lions break my heart again. If she, You know what I'm saying? Like I've got to, as a dad, say, I am raising the child. And as a mom, too, and my wife has helped me with this because, my, again, my daughter's four, McKenna, and we're closer now than ever. But when she was two, she didn't want to be around me. She didn't want to be by me. She wanted other people in the family, and it broke my heart. But my wife sat me down, and because she loves me, she's honest, and she was like, you don't give her time. You think as a two-year-old you don't need to do that, but she knows. And she's acting only because those people give her time. And it broke me. But I can only see that 14 years from then being a bigger issue. And I think what we see, and, and what I've experienced as a youth pastor is, is there are people who have spent far less time in these kids' lives, but far more time intentionally with them than parents who have had them their whole life. And then the one who has spent the less, least amount of time with them is also the one giving them the most expectation and pressure. And there's just that huge disconnect in there. I agree with what you're saying because uh, I heard Rich Wilkerson Jr. say this. He says, immaturity is self-absorbed. Maturity is others-absorbed. And you got to understand that your child is immature and they're going to be self-absorbed. And you got to understand that as a child, that's what they're about. They, they want to have fun. They don't want to sit there and watch you watch football. And that's mm. where I'm at right now. Like mm. I'll come home and Tay is like, you know, on Sunday, you don't get to watch football. I'm like, I don't. I don't. And I understand that i got to be a mature one and say, hey, you know what? What's going to make her happiness moment? What's going to make Matthew's happiness moment? And, you know, a thing is, is I hear a lot of parents say, yeah, when my kid gets older, when they're a teenager, I get, I get time to do my own thing. And that's where it's at, is that disconnect is because at a young age, we're spending time with them. We're trying to develop them. Well, now we're, again, trusting them. They got more responsibility. And we start getting ourselves relaxed because, hey, now I can go out with just me and my wife and they, they can be at home. Or, you know what? Now they can go ride their bikes by themselves and I'm not going to be there. And that's not what they want. Yeah, they want more responsibility, but they're not going to take responsibility over losing time with you. Yeah. Like they want yeah. both. And yeah. if you have both time and responsibility, quality time, responsibility, then they're going to be built up into that standard, that, that way that you want them to go. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are really speaking to some parents right now. Um, when you say things like, I come home and I can't watch Sunday football or I can't watch Monday night football, whatever the case may be, um, that's tough. And that's really tough for some parents to hear. It, it's been tough for me. And again, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. You got to learn how to navigate it. You got to learn how to navigate. We're in Georgia. We have no family here. 24-7. I got my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, I love my kids. I wish school would start up by now. Um, <laughs> but I learned that, hey, on Fridays, my day off, I can go to the golf range. Or, hey, when they're at school, I can schedule me and Latea time. Like, you got to learn how to navigate because your kids still need you. They don't want you to be like, hey, I need this right now. I really don't want to deal with you. They, they feel that disconnect. And you know what? It, it's, it's huge. But you got to learn how to navigate it. And um, you got to understand that they're a kid. It's going to hurt them a lot 
harder and they're going to be crying longer than you are for missing the Detroit Lions blow a game again. I don't know. I don't know. Have you ever witnessed the Detroit Lions blow a game in the last three seconds? <laughs> I haven't witnessed being in a game in the last three seconds. Um, so, <laughs> hey, that's one good thing being down here. I don't, I don't get that channel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Falcons blow a Super Bowl. Kev, um, the, tr- the truth is the varieties out there, but I think I think the important thing is is it's time well spent, and it's not selfish time; it's selfless time. Don't rush it. Yeah, you're never gonna get that time back, right? You know, yeah. when I in ten years I'm gonna be oh sweet Jesus, I'm not gonna say it, but my daughter's gonna be seventeen. Yeah, and you know I got a whole life ahead of me still at the age of thirty eight. Um, don't don't speed up time just because you want to do certain things. I don't know. Allow that to soak in and spend that quality time because you're never gonna get it back. Yeah, you know I see it with photos now. I'm like, oh my goodness. Why was I rushing so much? Why was I so busy so much? And so, uh, parents out there, keep that quality time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, such a good admonition. Let's talk about millennials a little bit. Um, millennials get a bad rap, man. They just, it's just, it's you know, millennial. It's because they're millennials. It's you know, I hear it in the marketplace, um, you know. And it's like, well, millennials don't like to work. Millennials don't, you know, they don't like responsibility, all of these type of things. So, so help me understand because you guys work with millennials, you work with generation Z, all of that. Um, what's one or a few, whatever you want, um, most misunderstood things about millennials. I'm going to, I'm going to leave this one out. I had a, uh, pastor friend. I feel heavily about this because I had a pa- I had a pastor friend who he blew my mind when he said this. But I think we when we talk about millennials and I'm a '90s baby, so I'm not really certain where I fit. But you you look at the generation that talk about millennials, and they're they're the generation of builders. They've built what we now see in America, and I think that it's not easy for the building generation to look at the millennials and accept the fact that the millennials, they're not here to build anything. We're, we're not looking for millennials to build anything. Structure and foundation has been built for America. What we need now is what they are and they're improvers. They're finding better and more efficient ways to doing things. And a lot of that has to do with media. And I think that's been, again, I'm going to say disconnect, but that's been the disconnect because there are things millennials can do that the building generation just can't do, or it's going to, it's going to be much harder for them to do and vice versa. But I think, I think that's one of the things where it's, it's more of a thought like, well, millennials just don't know what they're doing. No, they know very well what they're doing and they're trying to do it with your support. (laughs) And they're trying to, they're trying to make this world a better place and a much easier place to live in as far as business goes so yeah yeah no that's that's good i i agree with you on that i think millennials um because they were brought up during that technology time where it was huge like in schools we were taught that we had to sit down and and learn how to type and and learn how to navigate that that platform um or that software i should say i believe that people do think that they don't have they don't bring much to the table but they are the most intuitive and creative people out there Mm. they're they're why we are where we are now yeah you got people who are older that have ideas 
and they sit down like, I have this idea. And they're like, okay, I can create that software or yeah, I can code that for you. Let's do this together. And it's like, we're so much far advanced technology wise Mm -hmm. because of those people. Um, Yeah. They didn't learn those trades, those trade school trades, but um, I do believe they bring, bring a lot to the table. Um, Yeah. And I think that's why it's important for both generations to support one or the other because we need both this this world absolutely needs both and and i'm not so certain that there is a huge fight about it i just know that there's that disconnect and i'm caught in the middle because i'm like well i i know what nintendo looks like and i also know what a ps4 looks like you know what i'm saying i know what atari looks like and i also you know what i'm saying so i'm like uh, uh, um i like both <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you right now, I remember watching some channels were still black and white. I remember the first computer, like it, it, it's un, like out of so, something out of the mate. Yeah. The first computer we had in our, in our, the first computer we had in our elementary school, like it was something out of like the matrix is black screen with green typing, you know? But now, now we're zooming each other. You know what I'm saying? And we're able to have these. So what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is um, the businesses you see succeeding right now is because they have a great variety of builders and improvers. Well, and that's yeah. even in the church. You will get the churches that are successful or are growing. And we say successful um, because they know how to coexist. Um, they're not, they're not saying we don't need that. We don't need this. No, no, we need each other. And, yeah. um, you know, there's things that I can do with, uh, you know, computer, but there's things Kyle, Kyle can do with uh, laying floor and building walls. Listen, I can't do that, but I'll sit there and I'll run your cat five for you, Kyle. Um, <laughs> Much obliged. But I'm just saying you need each other. You know, there's yeah. things even in our church where we have our sound guy, Drew, and, and he'll build stuff. And he's really good at building stuff. And then he's like, hey, if you can wire it and get it to run, we're good. All right, cool. And I feel like there's that disconnect there, like we've been saying, of either your millennial or, or you're, you're more of a trades. And um, I say trades because that's what they were brought up in, hands-on, sure. learning how to build. Um, but yeah, I, and not all millennials are, are – are, no, I'm not going to go there. But yeah, I'm going to add that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just think that's an important question because I think millennials get a bad rap. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and- I think they get a lazy rap, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we- <laughs> They're not I, lazy. They're just doing things from home that they're they're, not, <laughs> yeah. from their computer. They're just more listen, efficient. Listen, they're doing yeah, it smarter, they, not harder. Yeah. <laughs> Four hours, exactly. 30 minutes to do exactly. this. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's good. So let's let's take it back to inside the church and let's talk about what parishioners can do. So, you know, you, you in, I mean, if you walk into any church on a Wednesday night, and I say Wednesday night because that's when most churches have a midweek service, okay? And you walk in, there is the adult group that's in the main sanctuary, and then there is the youth group that's in the really cool youth room with smoke lights. It's dark, you know, the windows are and the windows are vibrating and everything's pulsating, right? Um, <laughs> hormones are raging, uh, you know, whatever it is. Right. So, um, but so if, but if I'm in the sanctuary, right. And I see these kids going in, right. And you, it runs the gamut. 
you know, you have some people. It's like, oh, isn't that so great? The the kids going into the youth group. Then you have other ones. Just like, oh my gosh, look at her hair. You know, what is she thinking? You know, um, you know. But as as an adult, what can I do when I look at the youth? How can I get involved? What are some things that youth pastors want to see from me? How can I help? All right, for for me. Um, I, I deal with that on Wednesday night. You got some that love them and some are like, do you know their kids are running around? And I'm like, yeah, I'd rather them run around here having fun than run around somewhere else. That's right. Um, that's what my pastor says. He's like, you know what? They're here. Yes. Um, I think that we just got to love them. Instead of judging them, you don't know what they're going through. You don't understand this time. Some of them don't understand technology and everything that they're dealing with social media wise, but just, just love them. Show them that you actually do care about their life. Yeah. Um, one thing that they can do is, <laughs> I'm sorry to say this, but, but uh, back, back to youth ministry, um, yeah. you know, when they do things, you know, be there, support mm. them. You mm. know, they want the young people there on, on Sunday mornings and involved at events. And it's, it's the same way. Um, our church is really good at backing our, our teenagers. But, um, you know, be, be a a role model, be a mentor for them. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that, that we kind of um, are missing at the church and in, in, in churches, yes. um, you know, growing up at the church I grew up in, there was a lot of men in my life that wanted to be a mentor. Mm. And it wasn't just on Sunday, but yes. they're like, Hey, I'd love to take you out to lunch or, or Hey, I see you, you're up here at the church working and, you know, let's get something to eat. Um, they wanted to show that they cared about me and not just a number. Yeah. Um, that I'm not just uh, a person in the youth room, but that I have purpose, that I'm, I'm a person and I belong and I, I am who I am. Yeah. Um, another thing is, uh, financial blessing never helps. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do, man, youth ministry gets the hand-me-downs. Um, they got a fundraise for, for everything. And it's hard to compete with that nowadays. Yeah. Uh, growing up in youth ministry, I never had to fundraise. We never did a fundraiser at my church. Uh, so now you got to be a master of fundraising. You got to put it in the right time on the calendar because the school fundraises everybody like crazy. Um, you don't want to fundraise a church like crazy, but just being there, supporting them, uh, praying for them, and letting them know that um, you see them. Yeah, they're not yeah. just crazy kids. They're not stepchild. <laughs> I've always I've always made a joke saying you got to pretty much be like the El Chapo of youth ministry and move weight if you want to uh, raise funds. <laughs> come on, come on, man! <laughs> no, <laughs> that's great. That's that's funny, but in all reality, I think as I'm out I'm out of youth ministry now, and I'll always have a heart towards youth ministry. And it's weird sitting on the other side of the spectrum when I'm going to church now. I have no yeah. role in the church as far as any duties outside of, you know, my tithe and just obviously being there. But I do know that there's been multiple times where, and our youth pastor just talked about, you know, they're sending kids on a camp. And the first thing that comes to mind is going to asking them and just saying, how can I, as a member of this church, how can I help? Like, is there anything you guys need? I don't know. Cause I'm not the youth pastor. I'm not in a youth ministry, but what can I do? Is there something that I can do? And he may not even know, but what that does is it sparks a relationship out of interest. So now as a youth pastor, he knows you're interested in helping. And he, if, if he wants to get help, he better start having a relationship with you to figure out who you are, 
What are your qualities? Can you be trusted? Let's just be honest. Because mm-hmm. it's it's still his teenagers, okay? Yeah. And yeah. so can you be trusted in the way that you want to help? But I think this is a two-part. I think that it's also the duty of the pastor to get involved in the youth ministry so that his people can see his heart and yeah. follow his lead and they can get involved. If your pastor is not mentioning the youth ministry from the pulpit and he's not excited about what's going on in the youth ministry and he isn't giving examples of how he has found a way to help fund in youth ministry or the church is going to support this part of their their camp or the church is going to send two or three kids for free on a like just examples right yeah if that yeah. isn't the heartbeat from the pulpit you're going to have a really hard time finding adults that are going to follow that same heartbeat just out of nowhere you'll have those random ones but i think i think it is the duty of the pastor to say that's the next generation we need to invest in multiple ways to make sure they're taken care of so that that was going to be my next question so let's let's camp out there for a second okay because i think that's important you you hit something that's super important so what can senior pastors do because there there are senior pastors listening to this podcast and mm. i feel like that you know sometimes the youth group is like this sub church like it's it's like you you know you raise your own offering you raise your you know you do all the fundraising you know all of the stuff that we have over here is for for us you guys are young and strong go have some car washes and try to raise some money which yes we they are young and strong and they can have car washes but by the same token it is an extension of the ministry of that church Mm-hmm. And I believe that y- that senior pastors should be champions for their youth pastors. And it doesn't seem like that youth pastors are up there begging for money or whatever the case may be, that that should be something that's championed by the senior pastor. I do. I do believe that. Sorry, Kyle, but I do believe they do great when it's like events wise and, and things like that, uh, going to camp or or doing something else. Um, but I. I Ah, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's a huge struggle for youth pastors is raising money because, dude, money that comes in goes right out because you're investing it on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. um, it's hard to navigate that. But there's there are ministries in the church that might not do a single fundraising, but somehow are funded for everything that they need. Mm-hmm. And I think as a youth pastor, we do get frustrated in those moments because we see it and we're yeah. like, hold up. I'm required to do this or, or I have to fundraise for this, but man, they just, just drop money for, you know, a new soundboard or, or new mics or, Hey, there's a life group or a small group that's doing this and it's funded through this. Um, and it, it's hard to navigate, but, um, I think you have to go to bat, you know, um, yeah. budget would be great. Like, Hey, you know, one thing we do, we're doing here is, uh, what's your budget that's going to make you run for the year. Okay. Mm. We can't give you all that, but we might be able to do this. And then you, you fundraise usually about $3,000 a year. Okay, we'll, we'll factor that in too. But don't expect them to come in, build a group up from the bottom, or keep them entertained while students bring you 50 cents a week. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Uh, right. We're rubbing pennies together. Right. And then you give them hand-me-downs, and you wonder why kids aren't enjoying it. Well, dude, my speaker's blue. Or, or man, uh, the keyboard's just not working or the projectors out. And it's like, how can I make a room exciting and fun on, you know, 10 bucks a month budget? 
and then also take and give into students' lives. Yeah. You know, that takes money. That takes, uh, you know, just like it runs a church. Um, but, you know, our pastor makes sure that we post things and that we tag Life Church, and then they'll share it from our page so that people know what we're doing. And I think it is important, like Kyle said, that the pastor has to say it from the pulpit. You know, he has to be there for those events and those fundraisers and, and to show them that we love our students. I uh, I was in a, a pretty uh, good spot in my last my last ministry position because the guy I was under had been a youth pastor for so long. So he was equipped with the youth ministry mind, but mm. that, that, that has little, very little to do with him still being intentional about our youth ministry. So here he is, he's planning a church. He's got volunteers under him that he's got to worry about yet on Thursday mornings, we still started every Thursday morning talking about our youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, we talked about, what do we need? What do we need to do better? What did we experience? How did it go? What are some of the good, the bads, everything? And yeah. so I think beyond the money, and I'll get into that in a minute, but beyond the money, he's got to be invested like that. There's got to yeah. be an emotional tie from the top. And I think that in ways it, there can be some moments of pressure, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But, but for the most part, if you're not communicating your goals in youth ministry, what you want to, I mean, I can recall times where I said, I want to do this on our winter retreat. And the question was, why aren't you doing it? Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford it. And he would get on and help me research and help me find deals. Mm. And Mm -hmm. it it may still come to the point where it was like, well, we don't, we're not telling the kids it's going to go above $150. We are not sending a kid. And so then what we do, we budget it out for that. And we'd see what the negative was. And we'd make a deal where he'd be like, okay, if you can raise this much, the church is going to cover this. And it wasn't a secret thing. It was like, okay, and then on Sunday when we advertise this, we're going to get the church on board. And you're just getting creative together. And I think think that that's a huge, huge factor to have in a ministry where Mm -hmm. you can can go to your senior pastor and you can be like, "I, I think this would be sweet. And his response is, well, then why aren't you getting it? And yeah. you can go, well, yeah. it's money. And he, he basically says, well, money's an issue, but it's not an issue. Like, we'll yeah. figure this out together. And we've got enough hands. We've got enough resources to make this happen. And then as a teamwork, you can go and do that. And I think that that's the positive side of ministry is when you can have the top down. And, and, and another thing is Sundays, when I preached, it wasn't just the youth pastors preaching, but it was almost like a willingness to showcase what's going on in youth ministry. So, and I, I listen, I've, I've seen pastors. It's hard. It's hard for them to give that moment up for that month. Like you get four to five Sundays a month to preach and one Sunday in my mind, isn't going to kill you, but for, for a majority it is right. Like it's how yeah. I think. So to be under a guy who was like, I'm not going to pigeonhole you on what you preach. I'm not going to tell you. He's like, I, obviously we need to have that communication, but if you want your worship team up there from youth group, let's do it. If you want the kids involved in the service in any way, let's do it. Let's just make it an, an organized strategy and let's get it done. So before you even talk about we're going on this camp this summer or we're sending kids to fine arts or we're doing this in the school system, the church just gets to see the life of the youth group. Yeah. And it makes it so much easier because now they're like, now they see the church within supports that. And so now when you're asking for more support, well, the support's already there. Yeah. Now we just need 
like you said, the parishioners or the members of the church to step up and say, well, I have these skills or I have this financial ability to help. Is there a way I can do that? And so I think it's intertwined. I think it has to be a leadership thing where your pastor is leading it and your youth pastor is willing to follow in that, that type of lead as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, uh, yeah. It, it, it makes it so much easier. And, you know, I'm trying to, I'm thinking back because I've never been a youth pastor, but I've been a pastor of a youth pastor. And, you know, I'm sitting here just thinking, you know, how willing was I? And I feel like I was willing. <laughs> um, you know, he can comment and go on, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever he wants to do and tell me, but, but, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but I, but I believe, but I believe that, you know, I, I tried to be in as, as intentional, you know, as I could. And, you know, your experience, uh, Kyle, that, and I think more pastors, senior pastors especially, need to have that type of leadership. Yeah. They need to have that type of person who, you know, is championing you and what you're doing because it's a part, I mean, it's a part of the ministry. And you know what? That person could have said, you know what? It, this is a new church plant. You know, we don't have time. We need to focus more on just a church plant in general. But he spent a lot of time making sure that, you know, the youth was taken care of as well. And so that's 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 incredible. Yeah. I mean, and it wasn't just it was a core of people around him that understood that was the standard that the yeah. children, the children and the youth, they were going to be taken care of now. We weren't going to do it in a destructive way. We weren't going to do it in an ignorant way. We were going to make sure that things were organized. They made sense and uh, that it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to hinder growth. Yeah. Investing into the next generation, whether it's finances, emotions, time, it's not, it's not going to hinder growth as long as you, you know what I'm saying? You have a strategy for it. It's going to promote growth. And yeah. so I think if, 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 parishioners and pastors if if we could understand that we want to have a healthy church and the healthy church starts with investing into the young kids and the teenagers and the generation to come up i think that it's just going to be an organic thing like yeah. like i was able to experience yeah Dude, we were able we were able to do some crazy just on a wednesday night like i remember parent night we were able to do some things for parent night and it wasn't because of the finances it was because we had parents who had, it was such an organic feeling to support the youth group. We had for free a photo booth there. That probably should have costed us 350 We had parents that were helping making root beer floats and stuff like stuff the youth group didn't have to go out and get. Like this was, by the way, this was parent night for the parents. Wow. And the parents were giving us stuff wow. for them to, you know what I'm saying? That's amazing. And so, but again, these were, these were core people. That were that were core leadership of the church that allowed that to spawn out, and we wouldn't have been able to have some of those experiences without. We, we could talk about so many different things, positive, negative, but I think this is huge. Like this, yeah. this is, I could have a creative mind and not be able to do it, but now that I have a creative mind and I have adults that can make it happen. Well, now we're gonna make it happen, and all of a sudden I've got huge bouncy balls flying over chandeliers and parents wrestling students and like crazy stuff going on with pool noodles inside of a youth group on a parent night. I've got parents acting more immature than the students are. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of that happens because there's an investment that happened beforehand. Yeah. You know and what that, I'm saying? There's yeah, a support. I, yep. 
senior pastors that are listening, I think, you know, I, I just want you to hear the heart behind that. Right. So you create that culture. You yeah, know, you, you can have you can have a youth pastor come in and he can talk until he's blue in the face. But if you don't um, facilitate and create that culture, people are just going to get tired of hearing him. They're going to think he's just always begging for money or he whatever the case may be. And that's not it. And so, you know, as a senior pastor, it's your responsibility to foster that type of environment so that it makes it easy for your youth pastor to minister. Because at the end of the day, this is ministry like this is this is leading people to Jesus. And so whatever you can do as a senior pastor or executive board to make that happen, that's what we should do. And so if your youth pastor is coming to you and saying, hey, you know what, if we if if we could just do this, I really believe this will reach some people. Don't look at them. It's like, man, you you know, these crazy millennials always want to do something crazy. If possible, give them the platform or give them the opportunity to raise the money for that thing, right, that they feel, you know, is what's going to push things forward and watch God work, you know, and there may be times that there's mistakes. There may be times when something flops or fails, but I would ask you as a senior pastor, you know, you, you know, have you ever done anything that has failed, you know, um, you know, you might've bought the wrong, wrong color carpet. And then everybody got mad at you, whatever the case may be, you know, I know how these things go. And so it's super important and shout out to any and every senior pastor out there. We know that you guys are working crazy hard. We know there's a lot that's coming, you know, that comes against you. We know that you work 60 hours a week, 70 Mm -hmm. hours a week, um, you're having to be up in the middle of the night, um, all of that stuff. So, you know, definitely we want to promote and we want to, you know, pray for our senior pastors, but we're saying, don't forget the youth pastor. Don't forget those who are training this next generation and who are speaking into their lives. They need to be free to do the things that they need to do as, um, a youth pastor. So, and re- real quick. You, you may even just be someone who has connections in the community. Mm. Like, mm. If, if there's a way to get your youth pastor involved in a way that he can't because he doesn't, yeah, schools, sports. I mean, we talked about it on the last show. How many kids do you have in your middle school? How many kids do you have in your high school? Well, your youth group on a Wednesday night, even if you live stream it, it's not going to translate into that high school unless you get into that high school or you get you get some sort of influence in there. And so... Yeah, if you're just someone who has some connections, and it may not even be, in your mind, big, but it could go a long way, just start thinking of ways as a person, like, who am I, who am I in my home, in my community, and how can I help in my church? I think that's the very first question to ask, is just, what what can I offer? And then see your youth pastor about it. Yeah, and and, and, and in our last few minutes um, talking to, to both of you, um, there's so there's there's a this middle child syndrome i call it in youth ministry and i i I really i I want us to to just talk about this for a few minutes so what about the marilyn mansons in the youth group um how how do we reach them i mean the kids that because you know me and my wife have talked about this a, a lot you know there's like three categories of kids in the youth group there's the cute 
popular kids, the jocks that everybody loves, including the youth pastor, because it's easy to talk to them. They'll talk to the youth pastor. Um, then there's the kids who are extremely needy, right? They, you just know they need, you know, um, a lot of extra attention. So you're constantly going up to them. You're having to be on the phone with them late at night. But then there's those kids in the middle. It's the middle child syndrome where they're not the crazy cool jock, but it's, they're also not the super crazy needy kid. They're like just kind of in the middle. Like they, they, they show up every week. Like they, they're, they're going to be there. They're consistent, but no one talks to them or very few people talk to them because they're not on one side or the other of those extremes. So how do we reach the, the, that, that, that student? I'm not saying that this is the answer. I'm saying that this is what I did. So Mm -hmm. when I realized that I didn't have to talk to everybody in the youth group to still be good friends with everybody in the youth group, if I speak, people are going to listen. I'm the youth pastor. Mm -hmm. And and for the most part, people want to be cool with the youth pastor, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also realized for the popular kids, they're always going to have someone to talk to the youth leaders are going to want to be cool. So they're going to want to like, it's weird. It's backwards, but the youth leaders are going to want to be cool with the popular kids. Right. And then yeah. vice versa. But I would look for the kid that wasn't talking. Mm. I had time before service. I wasn't going to my worship leader. I wasn't going to the kids that I know I get along with. I was going to the kids sitting alone. I was going to the kid that just looked quiet, looks at like you just try to read students and I would spend the remaining amount of time before service, even if it was awkward. I, and then 90% of the time, my conversations with those kids were me talking and them not. So, and yeah. it was just me, but it was me like scrambling just to find a connection. And I would walk away frustrated sometimes, but I really feel like they at least knew I was trying to connect with them. And I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm not saying you're always going to be able to do that. But I think as a youth pastor, just, just simple opinion you need to seek that out you they are under your care they came now you need to seek out the fact that they might be hurting they might be confused they may not even want to be there they don't want to talk to anybody um and and truth be told that's not always the answer because just because the maryland mansons are the maryland mansons they could be in big groups they can be it could be anywhere but at least do your duty to find the one who doesn't seem like he's fitting and you need to intentionally go over and talk to him. Well, even with that is getting them plugged in with people in your youth group. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, we do our survivor series in the summertime because um, summertime kids, kids really don't want to be at church. Yeah. Um, being honest, but I try to find games where everybody's involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a game last night. I call it gladiator ball. Got it from my high school when I was in gym class. But you catch the ball, there's a soccer goal, you catch the ball, and you got to use your team to get it down the field. You can't run with it, you can't move with it. you got to use your team. And it gets everybody involved. Everybody has to play. Everybody has to communicate. Mm. And building that communication, at first it feels awkward. It feels like it's fake. It feels like you've really got to work at it, but you do. <laughs> like, yeah. let's get over ourselves. We have to work at it. If we really care about this person, we're going to do what we can do to really tap in, to really understand what's going on in their lives. And another thing is, is play to their strengths. Mm. Play to mm. their strengths. Um, you know, find out what they're really good at, what they like to do. 
um, you know, we had a girl who was really quiet, but could really draw. Okay. So mm. one of the Wednesday nights, I was like, Hey, we're going to play a cool game. I need someone who can draw. Bam. Yeah. She got up there, got to show her ability and her skills. And it was just like, wow. Oh, you could draw like that. I know you can draw. What, what started you to draw like that? And it, it starts communication in your youth group and it's being intentional about using them. Yeah. Be intentional about getting them in front of people. Um, and that, that's what it takes. And you got to understand that you're going to have to sacrifice being with the cool kids because some pa- youth pastors don't want to. And you're going to have to really spend time with that person. Yeah, it's awkward. It don't seem like it's, it's moving for you, but you got to take those times. You got to take those opportunities. I took a kid out um, last week and talking with him at, at food, I had to keep the conversation going. I had to, to talk about mm. things he liked. And mm. it's going to be like that, but the next time it's going to be a little bit better. They're going to yeah. trust you more. They're going to yeah. start to pull away some things and open up. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and I think that's why we, we need to keep that communication open. There should never be a, a student that comes into youth ministry and doesn't get talked to, doesn't talk to somebody. Like I, I would take serious offense to that. And I'm sure it's happened under my care. And if I knew about it, it would have broke me. But mm. I think, you know, someone asked me one time and and I was a little stern about this because I felt like they were coming at my ministry, but we, we do survivors, we do all that, but we keep a game in the beginning of service, no matter what we're doing. If If we're not in a certain series, we keep a game and it's always either groups or one big group versus one big group and everybody has to be involved. And it's an icebreaker for that reason that, look, even if you're choosing not to talk to anybody tonight, for the next 10 minutes, you have to. You yeah. have no choice, yeah. but you have to. And and hopes that the rest, it's opening them up for the rest of the service because I want them open for worship. I want them open for the word. I want them open for fellowship. Like before they leave, they need to be talking to somebody. And you just never know what's going to happen, what kind of re- relationship or friendship sparks because that kid was helping this kid in a game get across a certain line to get the, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and I've seen it happen. I've seen kids break in the middle of a, of a like, forget worship, <laughs> forget the word. That's what I want right there. That right. If tonight ended. That was awesome. And I'm not saying again, I'm not saying that there's a full foolproof answer to this, but there are better ways to make sure that kids are not going unnoticed. That is our job to yeah. make sure that kids are not going unnoticed. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, mental health in the last minute or so, um, I think youth pastors, leaders, everyone is seeing an uptick, a huge uptick in kids dealing with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. Um, you know, I have my own story about that, um, you know, that I may share uh, on another podcast, but but just in a in a very quick nutshell, um, I was a kid who grew up in a pastor's home, and um, you know, at the age of eighteen, and I would say probably seventeen as well, I was extremely suicidal. Um, and it was it was a youth pastor. It was a couple of youth pastors and a senior pastor who literally saved my light my life one night. Um, and had those youth pastors and pastors had. Um, cause I didn't have a youth pastor at my church and, um, they were the ones that saved my life. And so, um, 
I know that kids are dealing with this. Um, you know, I get this all the time at, at work, uh, being in leadership and, and people come in and just having issues with all kinds of mental health issues. So as a youth pastor in 2020, what, like, what do we do with that? Like, what, what can we tell parents? What, what can we even say to youth that is dealing with that right now? Well, uh, one thing I like about our church is we have a um, licensed counselor here. We, mm. we have that ability for students to uh, go and talk with them. As much as people want the pastor to counsel them, um, can we just be honest? I, I don't have the skills. I don't have the Come training. On. I don't have yes. the resources to help you fully. Yeah, I, yes. can, I can walk you through some scripture. I can walk you through trying to change some lifestyles up, but I don't have the resources. I don't have the skills to do anything. And I just, I just like that we have that guy there that can, that can help, that can help with these students and their issues. Um, we need to, as a pastor, understand that there's other people in our church who could possibly do this better. And, yeah. um, you know, anxiety is, is huge in, in what's going on in this world. Yeah. And a lot of our students are dealing with it, and my daughter is, has developed it um, yeah. from the pressures of the school system in this city. Yeah. Um, you know, kindergarten when I grew up was, can you write your name? Check. Can you cut paper? Check. Can you glue things? Check. Can you clean up your blocks at the end of the day after nap time? Check. Now it's like, do you know Spanish? Can you do math? Can you remember a hundred and some odd sight words? I'm like, whoa, yeah. the pressure okay. is yeah. huge. And so mental health is, is increasing in teenagers, even, at, even kids. Yeah. And I think that we need to look at other resources than just the pastor. Um, yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's that's yeah. my take no, on I, it. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. I think where we have failed uh, in the church for many years on many levels is spiritualizing everything. And so if a kid comes to us and says, hey, I'm dealing with anxiety, we rebuke the spirit of anxiety uh, instead of praying with the with the uh, the student and then saying, hey, you know what? Let, let's get you uh, hooked up with a good counselor, somebody, a good Christian counselor. Uh, and it may be a clinical issue. Maybe you need to be on medicine. Maybe you need, you know, Luke, I always say this, but but Luke in the Bible. All right. When Jesus was walking or was walking the earth, he did not rebuke Luke for being a physician. He didn't say, hey, I'm walking around healing everybody. You just need to shut down your practice. You don't need to heal anybody anymore because I'm healing them. No, uh, Luke was never rebuked by Jesus uh, for doing what he did. God gave him the the uh, intelligence uh, and the skill to do what he was doing. And so I think we have to be careful not to spiritualize everything and realize that our kids they may need to go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or to a counselor. It is healthy for them to do that. I, I agree with you on that. Spiritualizing over spiritualize everything. I don't, we all, we the churches just do that. I don't get it. Um, but as a parent, it's real. Um, yeah. Don't just sweep it under the rug and say, Oh, it's just growing. You're, it's just cause of this. It's just cause of the teenage years. No, no, it's, it's serious stuff. And I like now that some churches are, aren't using, you know, when I grew up, don't go to a counselor, you know, don't, don't, don't talk to that person about this issue. It's, it's wrong. Don't do it. Now it's, Hey, sit down and talk to somebody about your issue. 
who can pull on some strings and and really yeah. connect the dots for you that you can't connect. And uh, you know, as a parent, don't just sweep it under the rug. You know, I have students yeah. who are like, well, I told my mom or my dad. As a youth pastor, you got to find him some help. You got to find her some help. And yeah. you got to tell the parents, hey, your student brought this to my issue. Um, my attention is, he's dealing with some you know, depression or anxiety. I got someone, not going to cost a thing, or hey, it might cost this, that wants to sit down and, and, and help your child understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the reason we're seeing, and you'll see it in the NFL, you'll see it in the NBA, you're seeing Hollywood actors talk about mental health now. I think it's because we let it slide for so long that, you know, Kevin, you talked about the uptick. The uptick's becoming, I mean, it's always been serious, but it's way too serious yeah. at this point. It's too much of a normalization of it. I think, and as a youth pastor, I'm a little frustrated with myself. Because I've always tried to incorporate a series on anxiety or a series on depression throughout the year because I've known that that's been an issue. But I'm not 100% certain that I covered it the way that I needed to cover it. And I think I was too surface. And I think I was tackling anxiety. And, and for youth pastors listening, this is serious. You, we can't tackle anxiety by talking about anxiety. And you can't tackle depression by talking about depression. Those have been triggered by something else in that student's life or in your life. Anxiety is real. Depression is real. But what's the reason for that response of anxiety or that? So I, my thing is, is I think churches could do better at training their staff. Cody, you talked about it. No, no. Most pastors aren't trained and qualified. Right. Right. They're going to do their best because they're pastors and they want to help. And that's just naturally who they're going to be. But you're almost doing a disservice by allowing them to be counseling, be counseled by you instead of going and getting professional help. Or maybe they can get that counsel by you, but you need to point them to professional help because mental illness is a serious thing. And I think that as church, as church staff members, as pastors, we need to do better at educating ourselves on the awareness of it, on yeah. what it looks like, on the signs of, I never did that in youth ministry. And if I could go back, that'd be one of the first things I did was understanding what mental health looked like before mental health rears its ugly head because in a lot of situations it's too late yeah. in a lot of situations yeah. the kid has already done something that they can't reverse or in my situation and kev me and you'll go we're gonna probably in a future episode talk about this because we both experienced it but we've done things out of an irrational mind state because yeah. We never knew we were dealing with anxiety or I right. never knew I was dealing with depression. If you would have told me I was depressed, I'd have laughed in your face. I have a pretty right. darn good life, yeah. but yeah. I was severely depressed. I have a pretty darn good job, but I am severely anxious about it. And so yeah. I think that if we can, as just a, a human race, figure mm -hmm. this thing out as far as I need to be aware about those around me and be strong enough to say, hey, I think you got something going on and I recognize it and you need help. I mean, we as a church need to do better at the awareness aspect of this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, I I so appreciate you being here uh, with me today. And Cody, thanks so much for coming on the pod again. Um, yeah, thank you. I, I, I know you guys. I know you guys love Cody. Uh, don't worry. He will be back. Uh, and we'll talk about some more things with Cody on some future episodes. But we appreciate you again for listening. You know, follow us everywhere. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. 
Also, go to our website. We'll have some shows archived there as well. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to being back with you again uh, next week. But until then, we love you guys and uh, have a great week.